This is The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. David is the senior pastor of Calvary Chapel Casa Grande in Casa Grande, Arizona. Beloved, don't ever let your relationship with Christ become simply ritual, doing something because you think, well, you know, that's just what I'm supposed to do. God's not pleased with you doing just what you're supposed to do. Again, that becomes an empty sacrifice to him. God still wants that broken and contrite heart. God wants a heart that has passion for him. God wants a heart that desires him above all other things. What is the motivation of your heart when you come to church? Is it just because you've always done it? If that's your motivation, if you're coming to church just because it's something you do, it's part of your routine, then that is empty worship. There's no substance to your relationship with God. You're just going through the motions. You may not be living some seemingly outrageous life of sin, but if your heart isn't in your worship, it is worth less. Let's join Pastor David in the book of Malachi, chapter 2, verse 10, for today's study. You guys have probably heard it said uh, more than once, and perhaps I'm not doubting that probably some have you, some of you have even said it yourselves. How many times do I have to tell you kids? Anybody ever said that before? Yeah, yeah. How about if I've told you once, I've told you a thousand times, And so goes the story of Malachi, because Malachi's message to the children of Israel is a message that they've heard over and over and over and over, and we could go through judge after judge, we could go through prophet after prophet, over and over and over again. The same message has been told to them, and you know what, they're kind of like a bunch of kids, aren't they? They just don't get it. Okay, let's be real. It's kind of like all of us, right? Amen? Okay, I thought I was in my boat by myself for a second. Again, the thing that I've learned in my uh, years of experience is, is our problem is not ignorance. Our problem is obedience. And uh, it's not that we don't know what we ought to be doing, particularly if you've been saved more than three days. Okay, You, you probably know what you ought to be doing. The problem is, is doing that in our lives, making the hard decisions in our lives to change things in our lives, get out of our comfort zone to do the right things. And a lot of times the right things aren't comfortable. They're just the right things to do that we need to do as men and women and as young people. If you've got your Bibles with you, I invite you to turn to the book of Malachi, and we are in chapter 2 right now. Uh, we went uh, through chapter 1 and a portion of chapter 2 last week. We are down in uh, verse uh, verse 10 right now. And in verse 10 we read, Have we not all one Father? Has not one God created us? Why do we deal treacherously with one another by profaning the covenant of the fathers? 
There's a lot of stuff in here right now. Number one, Malachi is not suggesting uh, what they call universalism, where, okay, everybody is saved, and God's going to save everybody, and every, everything's going to be cool. That's not what Malachi is speaking about. What he's speaking about is how we treat each other when he says that we deal treacherously with one another. We profane the covenant of our fathers. You need to realize that covenant was an important issue in the life of the Jew, all the way back to the time of Abraham. God had begun his relationship with his people with an act of covenant. Now, what is a covenant? That is a determination that I will do this or you can take my life. In other words, it's not a contract that I'll do this for a while and then I won't do this. No, but it is a promise even to the very essence of life. As a matter of fact, if you keep your place in Malachi, we will be back there. Go all the way back to the beginning, the book of beginnings, the book of Genesis to chapter 15. And let's look at what this covenant thing looks like. In, in chapter 15, this is a work that, that God is beginning. He's be, now, God created all things. We've seen his handiwork in the earlier pages and chapters of Genesis. But now God is going to bring to himself uh, a nation of people. And if we'd read a little bit earlier on in those chapters, just a few chapters before, we read that he called Abraham. Do you understand that Abraham, who was living in Ur of the Chaldees, was a man that was surrounded by pagan worship? And we know absolutely nothing about Abraham's relationship in the Ur of the Chaldees other than God came to Abraham and says, come on, I'm going to take you out of this. I'm going to take you to a land that you've never seen before, and I'm going to bless you. And along that journey, a lot of things begin to happen. We won't go into all of that because I want to zero into this promise that God made, this covenant promise that God gave to Abraham and to his descendants. Look in Genesis chapter 15. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram. Now that was his name at this point in time. God changes his name a little later. The word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision saying, Don't be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. But Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me, seeing I go childless in the heir of my house as Eleazar of Damascus? Then Abraham said, or Abram said, look, you've given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is my, is my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him saying, this one, speaking of Eleazar, shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. And then he brought him outside and he said, look now toward heaven and count the stars if you're able to number them. And he said to him, so shall your descendants be. And he believed in the Lord and he, and, and, and God and he accounted it to him for righteousness. Abraham believed what God was saying, he trusted in what God was saying, and God's word says, and God accounted that as righteousness. The very work of faith. By the way, this is a sidebar here, no extra charge on this, but people in the Old Testament were saved by faith, just like we are today. Okay? Does not change. 
They're saved by faith, not by the works of the law, but by faith. So that was free, no extra charge. So we move on. Verse 7. Then he, God, said to Abram, I am Jehovah, who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldees to give you this land to inherit it, to inherit it. And he said, Lord God, how shall I know that I will inherit it? And so God said to him, bring me a three-year-old heifer, a three-year-old female goat, a three-year-old ram, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. Then he brought all these to him and cut them in two down the middle and placed each piece opposite the other, but he did not cut the birds in two. And when the vultures came down on the carcasses, Abram drove them away. Now when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram, and behold, horror and great darkness fell upon him. Then he, then God said to Abram, Know certainly that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs, and will serve them, and they will afflict them 400 years. He's already giving the prophecy of their stay in Egypt, okay? Verse 14, And also the nation whom they serve I will judge, and afterward they shall come out with great possessions. Now as for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace. You shall be buried at a good old age, but in the fourth generation they shall return here. For the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. And then verse 17, And it came to pass, when the sun went down and it was dark, that, behold, there appeared a smoking oven and a burning torch that passed between those pieces. And on the same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, To your descendants I have given this land from the river of Egypt to the great river the Euphrates, the Canaanites, the Kenizzites, the Kadamites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Raphim, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Gergesites, and the Jebusites. All of this, God says, I'm giving all of this to you. Now, what I want you to envision here is what's going on here with the cutting of these animals. As God told him to take these animals, Abram took it, and it apparently, either God had revealed it to him or just out of, again, the culture that was going on there. If I were to make a covenant relationship, say, with Steve in that culture, we would take these animals and we would cut them literally in half. Lay one on one side, one half on one side, the other half on the other. And then he and I would walk in between these animals. And in essence, the saying would be is, may God do to us as these animals if either of us break this covenant. And so it's a very, very serious thing. Now, the interesting thing, who went between these animals? God alone. Abram didn't go through there. God alone. God, again, was, again, proclaiming the fact that I'm making covenant with you. And that covenant relationship was something that the Jews had held on to all of their existence. As a matter of fact, even today, the Jews look at that covenant relationship as, again, the, a, 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 a declaration of their standing before God. Now, they've messed it up, as a matter of fact, over and over and over again. Just as we read here in, in Malachi, 
Why do you deal treacherously, treacherously with one another by profaning the covenant of the fathers? The way that they treated each other, the way that they lived their lives, the way that, again, they, they did not follow God in their lives. All of this is, is what's being declared here. That promise that God would go ahead and bless the people of Israel for all of these generations. And yet we've seen in the life of that nation a people who continually rejected the God of promise and they followed after pagan gods until until the Babylonian captivity. Do you realize that after the Babylonian captivity, when they came back from Babylon, pagan worship was never ever an issue with the Jews anymore, ever again. They didn't do pagan worship, but what the problem was was empty worship, empty worship. It became for them an emptiness, a, a simple ritual instead of a growing relationship with God. We could bring it into today's culture, couldn't we? You'll say, well, yeah, it's Sunday. We, we go to church on Sunday. Really? What do you get out of it? What do you mean what do I get out of it? We go to church on Sunday. That's what we do. That's the, that's the routine. That's the, that's the habit of our family. That's what we do. But are you getting anything out of it? Are you, are you growing in your relationship? Beloved, don't ever let your relationship with Christ become simply ritual doing something because you think, well, you know, that's just what I'm supposed to do. God's not pleased with you doing just what you're supposed to do. Again, that becomes an empty sacrifice to him. God still wants that broken and contrite heart. God wants a heart that has passion for him. God wants a heart that desires him above all other things rather than just going through the motions. That's why a lot of people on the outside, they can look so good. But on the inside, it's empty. What did Jesus tell the Pharisees? You're my Wednesday night group. What did Jesus tell the Pharisees about their outside and their inside? Anybody? Like whitewashed tombs. They look real pretty and clean on the outside. But on the inside is what? Dead men's bones. Rotting on the inside. Oh, church, that we would never, ever allow ourselves individually or corporately as a church to become that way. How easy it is to fall in that trap of, of doing good stuff on the outside while the love and the passion and the things of God begin to dry up on the inside. So this is a situation that Israel is in at this time. And so Malachi is called to proclaim this message that he's giving. And in the following verses, he goes on into some more particular details of, of again, how... Israel's profaning that covenant of the fathers. Listen to what it says in uh, verse 11 and uh, 12. It says, Judah has dealt treacherously and an abomination has been committed in Israel and in Jerusalem. For Judah has profaned the Lord's holy institution, which he loves, and he has married the daughter of a foreign god. May the Lord cut off from the tents of Jacob the man who does this, being awake and aware, yet who brings an offering to the house or to the Lord of hosts. Abomination. 
Every time we read that word within the word of God, you need to understand that that's like, that's like the worst of the worst. It's not that God is displeased. It's not that God is upset. Now, this is an abomination before him. I mean, it is so bad, so so horrendous to God that in the past, other nations, he literally wiped out because of abominations. And now Israel is doing that same thing. So he says, because you profaned the Lord's holy institution, which he loves, and that institution is marriage. God ordained that union of one man and one woman. This first issue that Malachi brings up here is that the people of Israel were marrying the pagan people of the area. You need to understand that, that marriage, gang, as, 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 as important as the covenant relationship is with you and, and God, marriage is a similar type covenant, but it's a three-way covenant. It's the husband, it's the wife, and it's God together. That's why, again, when we begin looking at this in a little bit, uh, the, the, this whole idea of divorce is so horrendous in, in God's eyes. Now, I say this with, again, as, as, as much tenderness in my heart to all of you because I know that many of you have gone through divorces. You know yourself how much it rips and tears from your very core of being. It's even worse in God's eyes. But even before we get to that, we look at a situation here where they're marrying pagan wives. What should have been a holy institution, they're bringing pagan wives into the mix. And again, this is something that that, that uh, had been dealt with earlier. If you remember, not too long before this, maybe about 50 years before, maybe less, Ezra had come in and he found that the people and the priest had been marrying the pagan women all in that area. And, and Ezra just, again, man, he, he lamented before the Lord. He called the people to repent. And now, probably not even 50 years later, Malachi comes and the same situation is going on. It seemed that maybe during the time of Ezra, they might have repented from those acts and it seemed as though things were going to be turned around, but apparently by the time that Malachi comes on the scene, that they're back to their same tricks again. Either additional marriage relationships had occurred since the time of Ezra, or people had made, uh, or they had maintained what they already had, and they, they never repented from it. And it seems to be, again, a, an added evil to this thing, is where Malachi describes that he who does it being awake and aware. There in verse 12, when he speaks, being awake and aware. Apparently, Malachi is bringing out the fact that they had already been warned. As a matter of fact, again, they had been warned multiple times when the children of Israel left Egypt and came into the promised land. Do you remember what God told them back in the book of Numbers, back in the book of Deuteronomy? When you go into the land, what are you supposed to do? Separate yourself from those people. Don't give your sons to their daughters. Don't give your daughters to their wives. Why? Because God knew how profane 
the people were, the worship, the religion that they had been under for generation after generation after generation that had been driven into these people's lives. And he says, I don't want that mixing with my people. Beloved, this is this has absolutely nothing to do with, with race at all. It has everything to do with relationship with God. That's what it's about. Because in that culture, were, it was just filled with people that were involved in every kind of profane pagan worship you can imagine. And so they continued doing it. They knew it was wrong, and yet they did it anyway. How many times have I told you, kids? And yet they continued to do it. But marrying pagan wives wasn't the only issue that Malachi goes into. Look at verse 13. And this is the second thing you do. You cover the altar of the Lord with tears, with weeping and crying. So he does not regard the offering anymore, nor receive it with goodwill from your hands. Interesting, they continue going up to the altar. It's like, well, everything's okay. I can live any way that I want to out in the world. But come the day of worship, then I'm going to come in and I'm going to bring my offering to the altar. And there appears to be a whole lot of, 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 of emotion involved in their worship. You're covering the altar of the Lord with tears, with weeping and crying. There's a lot of emotion. And guys, I want to tell you, emotion is great. I love emotion. I, I love the fact that, yes, we can cry before the Lord. We can enjoy the Lord. We can be touched deeply in the heart by the things of the Lord in our worship time, in our, in our private worship time, in our corporate worship time. We can be moved. But you know what? It's absolutely empty if it's just in here, if it's just a portion of your life, if it's not filtered throughout all of your life. And apparently, that's what's going on here, that they continue to do the, the, the wrong thing, even though they know the right thing to do, and then they go and worship with tears and weeping and crying, and God says, I'm not going to receive your offering, and then in verse 14, they say, oh, why not? For what reason? All of this, their lives show Again, the shallowness of their lives in, in, in again, the, the, the spiritual sense of it. The shallowness of it filled with, with self-gratification, not with godliness. They were consumed by the ideas of their own pleasure, their own desires, rather than allowing the God of all creation to consume them for His glory. And beloved, how often do we hear the words that come from the Apostle Paul in chapter 6 of Galatians? Uh, God isn't mocked. Whatever a man sows, that's what he's going to reap. And see, that's what's going on in their lives. They're, they're again, sowing to the cares and the concerns of the pagan community around them. And it's impacting their relationship now with God in a real and true way. Yet mankind continues on to stretch the limit of God's patient endurance, to stretch the limit of God's long-suffering. They come to the altar with, with tears, but at the same time, they either weren't committed 
to the vows of their marriage relationship or they were married to these pagan women. And God says, you know, this is not good. I'm not going to receive it. As I said, verse 14 says, you say, for for what reason? God brings it out. He says, because the Lord has been a witness between you and the wife of your youth, with whom you have dealt treacherously. Yet she is your companion and your wife by mutual agreement. Is that what it says? Uh, Thank you very much. Okay. I just want to make sure you're awake. Okay. It's not by mutual agreement. It's not by, well, I'm kind of tired of this thing. It's not fulfilling my needs anymore. I want something different in my life. Guys, that's the difference between covenant relationship and just simply contract. From the book of Hosea to the last book of the Old Testament, Malachi, the 12 minor prophets are rich with important prophecies, some pertaining to things that have already happened and some pertaining to things that are yet to come. Join us as Pastor David teaches through these books verse by verse. You can get a free copy of today's teaching at our website. Simply log on to www.theopenword.com. That's theopenword.com. Although The Open Word is a huge blessing, we pray that it's not your only source for the teaching of the Word of God. It's our hope that you're attending a church that teaches God's Word from beginning to end. If not, we'd like to invite you to join us at Calvary Chapel of Casa Grande for worship on Saturday evenings, Sunday mornings, or Wednesday evenings. For service times, driving directions, and more information, log on to theopenword.com and follow the link to Calvary Chapel of Casa Grande. Make sure and check out our Facebook page, log on to theopenword.com, and then follow the link to the Open Word Facebook page. Well, that's all the time we have for today. You've been listening to The Open Word with David Landry. Please join us next time for the next edition of The Open Word.